Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sexy Lifestyle Podcast. We are Stephanie and Fox from Evolve Your Intimacy, sitting in for Carol and David. We are a sexual health education and guidance center where you learn to educate, enlighten, and evolve your intimacy. Are you ready to spice up your sex life? Well, you've come to the right place because that is what the sexy lifestyle is all about. We are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be by discussing everything about relationships, sexual health, sex, intimacy, and pleasure. We love discussing the naughty, the taboo, and the unknown with our top experts in the industry and hope that our conversations will open up your dialogue for great sex. Because great sex matters and we all deserve it. Did you know that 20% of women say they don't orgasm? Are you one of those women? Well, I am a penis owner, <laughs> yeah. so and I do not classify myself as a woman. So, no, uh, I am not one of those women, but I am very familiar with this statistic. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so ladies, do you have a hard time achieving that ultimate bliss of excitement that leaves your body screaming for more? A study found that 39% of women say that they can only orgasm through masturbation compared to only 6% of women who orgasm during penetration. That's a really troubling statistic. Drastic number. Yeah. Especially since men, we tend to orgasm on a much higher level. I think it's like, I was was just listening to a podcast about this recently uh, by, I don't remember her name, it's a PhD, uh, and they said 83% of men are able to achieve masturbation through penetrative sex. Yeah. <clears throat> I guess we're the lucky ones. Uh, yeah. I, well, I today we're going to be talking with sex therapist, Kate Castrillion. See, I can't even say it now. Okay. I was trying to get it all fancy. <laughs> Kate Castrillion about how we can close that orgasm gap. But before we talk to Kate, let's go ahead and talk about the top waterproof blanket. Because great sex is messy sex, but no one wants to sleep in that wet spot, do we? No, not at all. If you're fed up with having to change your sheets every time you have sex, then you need your own top waterproof blanket. It's 100% waterproof, leak-proof, and guarantees to make your bed and mattress dry no matter how wet it gets. From messy massage oils to silicone lubes to all sorts of sexy wetness, just throw it in the washer and dryer and it comes out looking brand new. You don't even have to leave your house to get one. Simply and safely go to Amazon and order yours today. Search Top Waterproof Blanket. That's T-O-P Waterproof Blanket. Great sex starts now. Kate is a sex therapist and sexual educator who has dedicated her entire career to the goal of helping others understand how to optimize their emotional, physical, and sexual health. With 17 years of experience as a therapist, Kate now has a Bergen County-based private therapy practice where she treats individuals and couples specializing in sex and relationship counseling. In addition to pursuing her PhD in clinical sexology, Kate also continues to shake up traditional sex education by conducting workshops on porn literacy, sexual responsibility, and consent to student educators and parent groups. Let's bring her on. Kate, how are you? I'm doing very well. How are you both doing tonight? We are great. Thank you for coming in and, or I mean, calling in. I don't know. Thank you for being part of our show. I love the fact that you educate people on porn, but not just people, parents. That is amazing. Yeah, I think there's this, um, there's this kind of grand delusion that if the parental controls on an Apple device or an Android device are in place, that their kids are safe from seeing porn. And it's just, it's just not possible. It's like, I think the statistic is something like 70% of kids see porn unintentionally for the first time. So it's so important to me to kind of give parents the tools that they need and the knowledge really to that they need to not be squeamish about having that conversation just to kind of give them a little bit of protection against what they're what they're going to say yeah i like that so being a porn researcher and sex educator that's your third career and you say it's the most fun so what did you do before and what got you interested in researching porn and switching careers 
Well, when I uh, first graduated from college, I was actually an opera singer. And so I was in based out of New York City mm -hmm. and I was working, you know, earning money doing uh, fas fashion merchandising and, you know, kind of like my day job was actually where I was making money and uh, doing some some uh, off-Broadway and opera stuff on the side. And then, um, you know, 9-11 mm. kind of hit us all. And, you know, it, something like that kind of is like a come to Jesus moment. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like reevaluate your life. Right. So I ended up um, applying to NYU to go to social work school in uh, 2000, the early 2002 and um, started there and graduated 2004. My, as a little baby therapist, I was doing a lot of work in um, eating disorders. OK. And, you know, as as you work with eating disorders, you realize that there's a lot of co-occurring uh, sexual dysfunction. And one of our shared teachers, Dr. Holly Richmond, does a lot of work in uh, kind of reclaiming sexual pleasure. She's who I want to be when I grow up. And um, so I think just kind of working with, um, you know, working with people with sexual dysfunction through the lens of eating disorders, reclaiming body positivity, and and all of the all of that. I just became more and more interested in, you know, how people experienced their sexual selves. And uh, it just became such a, 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 like a passion project for me to really look at all the ways that that sexual pleasure is really, um, you know, minimized from early points of education. Mm -hmm. And you know, we're, we're sexual from cradle to grave. So, you know, helping people to really understand that is is something that, you know, really pushed me to get more education. And then through teaching and, and presenting, I love public speaking and, you know, I eventually want to write more. So it just seemed like a, a natural extension to, to do more research on it. And porn just seemed to be, you know, something that was super interesting because it really is the place that we learn all of the fallacies that make us not enjoy sex and as we'll talk about today, kind of what gets in the way of women being more, uh, having experiences of more pleasure later on in their in their sexual lives. Yes. Hmm. So today we're going to be talking about the orgasm gap between men and women. Yes. Kate, talk to us about what is the orgasm gap and how does it affect both men and women? Hmm. So there's two different levels of the orgasm gap that I really talk about a lot. So on the micro level, there's the, the way that the, or the difference in time that it takes for penis owners to achieve orgasm as opposed to uh, vulva owners to achieve orgasm during partnered sex. So for, for penis owners, for, for hetero men, uh, cis hetero men, it's usually about five to seven minutes mm -hmm. uh, on average. So, but for cis hetero women, it's, it can be 10 to 40 minutes. So that's like a huge gap in, in the, the experience of foreplay and, and, and even just the fact that we call uh, foreplay as opposed to penetrative sex um, foreplay. It's kind of like, a, it's like a pregame pre or a warm up. So yeah. it, it's, you know, on, on the micro level, it's just the, it's the time that it takes in partnered sex to achieve orgasm between um, vulva owners and penis owners. In solo sex, by the way, the time uh, is pretty much the same. It's about four minutes. I so wish. in for, masturbation, for men, yeah, <clears throat> for men, for, yeah, for men and for women, wow. in solo sex and in, in masturbation, it's usually about four to five minutes. So, so that tells me, you know, kind of quite literally, as we'll get into um, into later, later that the clitoris, which is, you know, obviously what we'll talk about, what most women kind of rely on for their masturbatory activities um, is, you know, kind of the main player here. But on a macro level, we're talking about um, just the, the percentage of cis-hetero women uh, that experience orgasm in partnered sex as opposed to cis-hetero men. And then, um, you know, that gap is huge. And I think in your, in your intro, you spoke about, you know, I think, you know, it's, uh, maybe 95% of heterosexual men usually are always orgasm during partnered sexual activity. And that number is of only about 65% for cis hetero women. Mm -hmm. um, and in between there is lies the uh, bisexual 
cis women and uh, cis lesbian women. Um, that's, you know, I think lesbian women experience about 86% of the time and um, bisexual women experience uh, orgasm about like 65, 66% of the time. So lesbian women so, have it, they, they have it down. It's the... It, yeah, like they know how to, how to employ the clitoris, you know, it's really, it's, they know how to do it. It's uh, the, I guess the heterosexual or I guess I wouldn't even say heterosexual. It's with partnered sex with with men or penis owners is where the mm-hmm. orgasm gap happens. Yeah, it's it really is. Um, and, you know, for the, the difference between uh, lesbian women and uh, cis hetero women, I think there is uh, some other elements of just sexual shame related to socialization, religious shame, you know, so... There are some elements. In fact, I listened to your uh, episode with uh, Danielle Kramer oh, on registration, and you know she, you know, you guys really did nail a lot of the issues that get in the way of just everyone, male, female, non-binary, everyone. How we've been kind of socialized. So there's a lot of factors, not just kind of a lack of clitoral stimulation that's playing into the orgasm gap, but um, there's so, there's so many factors that I'm sure we'll we'll cover today. Yeah. So what are the, what are some of the reasons that the orgasm like exists during intimacy? And is it, mm-hmm. is it common for women to think that men should always have more orgasms than women? Yeah. I mean, again, I think it goes back to kind of what we learn early on, you know, it's the, the idea of, of sex education in this country. I think there's maybe three states in the entire country that cover pleasure yeah. in sex education. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, maybe 29 states and the District of Columbia also like mandate any sex education. So we're talking about some serious uh, gaps in education that, that have to be addressed before we can even talk about pleasure. And then even when we do, right, I don't know if you, what about you guys, but when they used to separate us in, you know, fifth grade and it was boys in one room, girls in another, and they talked to boys about wet dreams and erections, and they talked to girls about reproduction. So the boys got a little tiny bit of information about pleasure, but the girls got nothing. I didn't. So that's huge part of it. Yeah, I didn't know they talked about wet dreams, and <clears throat> I, I know in Texas it was all about just you know abstinence. Oh yeah. Us. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say that. So I. I'm not sure how old you are. I'm 44 now, right? Yes. 44. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I went to, to school in California during that okay. time. And I mean, our sex education, I guess, was a little a little mm-hmm. bit more than that. But it was really just, hey, if you have sex, you can get pregnant, get STDs, just so don't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, use protection. Or if you're going to have sex, make her take the pill. Well, what does that even mean? What's the pill? What's protection? I mean, they didn't talk about condoms. They didn't teach us anything. There was no pleasure-based information. And that was in California, the porn capital of the world, uh, yeah. at least during my time. So, Yeah, I learned that, um, you know, my sex education is you were going to go to hell if you had sex. So don't do it. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, this orgasm gap, you know, like you just said, we didn't learn about pleasure, but then all of a sudden we get married or we're in a relationship and we're supposed to know how to do this. It just, yeah. I mean, how are we supposed to learn what it is? Right. You're just setting a, setting everyone up for disaster and failure and just shame-based experiences of every time you get under the sheets, right? I mean, it's, it's just, it's a sad, sad experience, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm also 44. So we're kind of all in that same gener- generation of you know, how they used to split us up. And I mean, California, actually, right now, California, New Jersey, Rhode Island, like uh, there's one other state that I'm not, Oregon. Um, they're the most progressive right now. Like that, at this point, they're actually teaching the most comprehensive sex education. But um, I mean, back when we were in fourth, fifth, sixth grade, it was paltry, yeah. to say the least. Absolutely. Right. So, I mean, that's where it really starts, but, um, you know, and we're really, we are starting to kind of experience more of a, a sexual revolution that you're starting, especially in our, our corner of the world, Stephanie, right? Yeah. Like, we're seeing a lot of really 
um, you know, kind of sex positive, embracing language uh, about self-pleasure, about masturbation. I mean, uh, you know, I think Dame Products is now partnered with Sephora that they're um, carrying vibrators wow. in their stores nationwide. I mean, this is an amazing revolution in the embracing of sexual pleasure. So we're we're in a really wonderful time when it comes to learning about that. I'm I'm happy for kind of our kids that they're in that space where they're not growing up with the shame and embarrassment of you know oh like who who masturbates like okay everybody masturbates that's what they should be doing and that's exactly what happens. Um, but you know, as far as where else the orgasm gap comes from, it is you know it's things like mainstream porn. They don't really talk. They don't. You know, you see clitoral stimulation in what thirty percent of mainstream porn, and which is really unrealistic fat. orgasms too. Yes. Oh my goodness. And unrealistic bodies, unrealistic size, unrealistic everything. I mean, that's it's it's a production. It's a show, and it's meant to be mm-hmm. that way. None of it's real. Um, yeah. But they don't talk about that stuff a lot. You know, it's yeah. with the introduction of ethical porn, which mm-hmm. I just recently learned about. Um, You're you know, welcome. <laughs> yeah. Through, <laughs> no, honestly, through all through, through, you know, through our podcast, through learning under Stephanie, you know, um, I, I, I really had no idea. And, and I've been on Playboy myself and I never really gave any thought to, well, how, how is this done ethically? You know, mm-hmm. um, that was never really a conversation ever held, it, yeah. you know, so yeah, it's, it's all been very interesting, enlightening, to be honest, um, and, and definitely makes me look at, it, at things a lot differently. Yeah. Even just, you know, those kind of minor things like uh, intimacy coordinators and people that talk about consent on set, mm-hmm. uh, not only is that becoming more and more seen in, you know, Hollywood, but it's really being utilized on porn sets, which is just so important because it just makes you feel like you can you can take in whatever porn content you're take whatever whatever porn content you're watching. You can just feel good about the fact that you know that the all the performers have been really well taken care of, and you know on ethical sets, it's just you know it's not even a question. You don't have to worry about all right who's being sex trafficked, yeah, who's being potentially coerced or you know uh, exploited in some way, yeah. I don't know if you are a TikTok user, but I love TikTok. One of the things that I subscribe to is Porn Talk. And what it is, is it talks about the consent and how they negotiate all of the scenes before. It's not actually porn. It's the ethical side of it. And they're showing us, you know, the actual conversations. What are you comfortable with? What are you not comfortable with? Do you have any hard boundaries? And you get to see that, and then they show you, you know, little scenes that they're filming that's not not porn exactly. It's just kind of the how they do it. But I love that because it's letting the everyday person see how to negotiate consent. Yeah, I love that too. Actually, I I'm I'm not familiar with that. I'm not a my daughter's a TikTok user. I am not, so I'm just kind of a bystander. But. Um, there's a lot of ethical porn uh, production houses like kink.com, Belessa House that they they really do. They kind of include all of those conversations either in the the preface of the the video or the uh, kind of aftermath that they talk about their experience. They talk about the consent issues. They talk about hard boundaries. Their you know their so- their softer boundaries and how they experienced the um, the the kind of flow mm-hmm. of the porn as it was being filmed. And it's such a, a beautiful illustration of how you can build communication into, into your experience. And that, by the way, is kind of one of the other reasons why the porn gap, why the, I'm sorry, the orgasm gap exists because people really don't know how to have that communication. I'm glad you said that because you're right. People don't know how to talk. And also that conversation is so awkward. You know, you're going home with somebody, it's a one night stand and you're like, okay, so let me talk to you really quickly about what really works for me. No, you're drunk, you're having fun and you're ready to have to hook up. And then you, the next day you're thinking this was the worst thing ever. I didn't have an orgasm. This is just terrible. And you regret your life choices. Right. So this is some great information and we're going to be right back with Kate talking about how to close that orgasm gap between men and women right after this commercial break. 
Now let's just talk about Topless Travel and the amazing trip that we have planned for later this year. Absolutely. Topless Travel is the best. So if you're looking for the sexiest and most erotic vacation ever, then you simply have to book with Topless Travel from Hedonism 2 in Jamaica, Desire in Cancun, to all the Bliss Cruise experiences. Topless Travel needs to be your number one choice. They are ours. Their trips and events are all about the people and the sexy fun experiences. Yeah, of course. So let's shout out to uh, some of the sexy host couples, including Chelsea and Mark and even Colby, who was with us in Hedonism uh, just last month. And uh, they're there to make sure that you have one hell of a sexy vacation. Yeah, and you're going to find us on many of the topless travel trips. Like Carol just said, we were with them at Hedo. Um, But listen up, the one that we're really looking forward to is their sexy silver full takeover of Desire Pearl, October 16th to 23rd, 2022. We're going to be there broadcasting our show live and the rooms are selling out quickly. So book now and come on down, join us for a week. We would love to meet you. For more information about this trip or any of the topless travel events, you can go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com, and click on the topless travel events link to book the sexiest and most erotic vacation ever. We are back, and this is the Sexy Lifestyle Podcast. We are Stephanie and Fox from Evolve Your Intimacy, sitting in for Carol and David, talking with Kate Castillon, talking about how we can close the orgasm gap, what the orgasm gap is, and what the difference is with the orgasm gap between men and women. So, Kate, how can women recognize that an orgasm gap is present in their relationship? Like, describe why oral sex is part of foreplay is so important for a woman's overall sexual experience. Mm-hmm. Great question. So, you know, I think there's there's such a, a minimization of or and a, a not enough of a normalization of talking about uh, you know, having like these regular check-ins about how do you feel sex is going? You know, how do you feel about, you know, the amount of intimacy we're having, first of all, and then the kind of intimacies that we're having, are they satisfying? You know, are women willing to look at their experience of sex and how much they're willing to acknowledge their happiness, their satisfaction? And, you know, I think in the um, LGBTQ plus population, there's there's a normalization of you know, things like mutual masturbation where partners are showing each other what exactly feels good you know what level of pressure looks uh, feels good what amount of stimulation is necessary you know i think cis hetero women don't really know how to give a proper hand job with the level of grip or the level of lubrication that's necessary for their partners to really achieve orgasm through that type of manual stimulation, Mm -hmm. right? So conversely, you know, cis hetero men may have zero concept of what kind of pressure is necessary on the clitoral hood on, you know, even just along the insides of the vulva, like the clitoral legs extend down around the vaginal opening. And, you know, some women don't necessarily experience uh, orgasm with just the clitoral hood. It might be too sensitive, like the little love bug at the top, right? Mm-hmm. So some women may need those those side legs of the clitoris that kind of extend down around the vaginal opening along the the you know uh, labia minora to you know just have that kind of stimulation. But they wouldn't know that if their partner didn't exhibit. Uh, or show them how to do it, how soft, how fast, how long to do it for, with what level of lubrication is necessary. So I think mutual masturbation might be the number one tool that's kind of an untapped resource for cis-hetero couples to really utilize to close that orgasm gap. Um, it, it It should be more normalized, but it's just not in heterosexual sex. Um, that's why you know we can learn a lot from the LGBTQ community. And um, that's that's like my number one rule is, you know, really show your partner what feels good. I, I know. I hear you saying that. I hear you. And when I say that to clients, I usually get, you want me to watch him masturbate? Oh, my gosh. Like, it's the grossest thing they've ever heard in their life. You want me to masturbate in front of him? Oh, I don't even, I can't touch myself. What? And I want to to normalize that. And I try to normalize that as best I can. But it's I'm assuming it's the southern region. I don't know. It could be everywhere. But I just don't understand why that's such an ick factor for people. Can you what do you think? 
you, you know, so that's really hard for me to answer because I come from a very open family. I mean, sex in my house was my mother saying, hey, we're, we're about to fuck. Get out of the house or you're going to end up listening. Take notes, <laughs> like figure it out. <clears throat> um, and so I didn't I didn't, I guess, live that traditional type of standard that a lot of people did. Um, and so I, I don't I can tell you what I think I know. And that's, you know, religion and where you are geographically really, you know, impacts you as far as what you're taught about sex. If you're even taught sex, if you're taught it's dirty or good or pleasurable or a sin or, you know, only for procreation or all these other things that I've been told while I was active duty military from friends of mine that I've met from all around the United States. And I'm like, wait, wait, you think what, or you were taught what, like, hold on. Um, you know, and here I am thinking, well, my mother must be some sexaholic crazed woman because I knew all about sex. Uh, you know, but that was from my mom, not from the school system. So, um, what, what I do want to do, I want to ask a two part question because in the past, um, you know, the term cis it's, it's fairly new, um, Mm -hmm. socially. And so we actually get a lot of people that write in or, or email us and say, Hey, what does that even mean? So Kate, if you would, uh, just cause Stephanie and I know, we know what it means at this point, but please define that. So they understand that. And then I have a second part to that question. Got it. So CIS or CIS is basically a quick short shorthand to say biologically male or biologically female. So CIS hetero female is a uh, heterosexual woman who was born as a woman and defines herself or identifies herself as a woman. Uh, so her biological sex and her uh, gender identity match, uh, and same as uh, you know cis hetero male. Perfect. So my real question now that we got that out of the way, <laughs> got it. <laughs> Is there typically a disparity in the amount of oral sex a man receives in a relationship versus a woman? And if there there is, what do you think the science is behind that? Mm, oh, it's science. I love science questions. Well, I think it's actually more of a socialization question. Um, it's or a socialization reason that, again, I think in, you know all roads lead to porn, right? So there's very until very recently, there's been uh, a huge disparity between the amount of oral sex uh, performed on men as opposed to the oral sex to performed on females, um, and so I think a lot of that comes back to um, what society has deemed appropriate Mm -hmm. that people are learning through um, the engagement with porn, what is normative in sex. So, you know, yes, to answer your first, the first part of that question, I think it is highly typical and common for there to be a disparity between the oral sex that's performed on men as opposed to women. And I, I think some of that might be just good old fashioned ego that a lot of men aren't really in a, a really solid, don't have a really solid foundation of how to perform oral sex on their uh, female partners. And um, so they kind of shy away from it. And, you know, instead of, you know, much like not wanting to ask for directions when they're lost in the car, they are maybe a little bit squeamish about asking for direction from their female partners about how to perform oral sex in a really satisfying way. So, you know, again, it comes back to what did we learn from porn? How is that doing a huge disservice to our sexual lives? And how can we correct that? by just engaging in some good old fashioned communication, just saying, Hey, what feels good? Mm. So let's put Stephanie on the spot real oh, quick. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, <laughs> and I hope I think I know the answer. And if I don't, well, I guess I'm about to, well, I don't really get embarrassed that easily. I'm about to educate you. <laughs> educate me. Oh, I don't know. When I perform oral sex on you, is it enjoyable? Oh, mm. I'm glad you asked that. And if it's not, then you need to start showing me how. It is enjoyable, but there are times that it's not, and I don't say anything, but the times that it's not, it's because of, I don't know, you, you feel different sometimes. Like I feel different sometimes. Oh, well my clitoral hood, I'm going to, I'm going to have an orgasm from that. I want you to hit that. Or maybe like she was talking about the legs. Mm -hmm. I, when she said the legs of uh, the clitoris, the clitoris, I was like, oh my God. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because I really liked those rubbed, but I've never told you that before because Mm -hmm. I never even had the, the thought to tell you that. 
See, and this is what I love part about doing this show is Stephanie and I, we get to learn about each other through guests we have on and, and questions that mm-hmm. even, you know, I think you do, you do mental health all day. You do sexology all day. And sometimes when you get home, you're burnt out and you yeah. forget to ask the simple questions that you, you push on to clients or have clients ask. And then by the time we get home, it's like, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm burnt out. So am I just. Just touch my leg. Oh, yes. Perfect. <laughs> Let's watch Vikings. Right. <laughs> right. Can I have a hand massage? Yeah. I don't want anything touching my clitoris. I just want my hands massaged. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes that absolutely does happen. Uh, and then sometimes we just have mind-blowing crazy sex. Mm-hmm. And it's just like we become one person and it's outstanding and amazing. And, and then sometimes it's like, okay, I want to get laid. So let's hurry this up. <clears throat> but then we have a right. problem with that. We don't know how to have quick sex. That's not- you don't know how to have quick sex. That's okay. So I guess in a sense, I identify as a female because I, I do not orgasm in 47 minutes. Usually four to seven. He didn't say 47. He said four to seven, <laughs> four to seven minutes. Right. Yes. Uh, I don't normally orgasm in 47 minutes. Not at all. Um, it's usually about two hours. Right. Three. And- if we're pushing it. Are you picking on me right now? No, I'm just giving okay. insight. <laughs> so, so efficiency, efficient sex is not going to happen. That's the that's the code word in our house. It's you yeah. know, do we have efficient sex or do we have you know, kind of take your time sex? Oh, I right. like that. That's yeah. actually that's really good. Yeah, I need to learn efficient sex. Like we both want to orgasm in ten minutes. Kids are about to be home, or you know, whatever. Uh, that's yeah, I. That is good. I fail in that department. Absolutely well, this absurd. might be this might be a good time to kind of plug sex that does not require organs. Ooh. Mm. Tell me Ta-da. more. So, you know, I think that really is the undercurrent of what we're talking about here, too, with the orgasm gap, that when we place such a pressure on achieving orgasm, immediately, you know, to use a crude term that I use with my clients, you know, like prep time pressure, kid pressure, stress from work. It's a dick shrinker, right? Like that is going to impede your ability to really settle into orgasm. And so when we take the pressure off of having an orgasm for sex, oftentimes, you know, one, we can just have a great time doing everything else, but it also might actually lead to an ability to, to relax into that, you know, to kind of use a, a neuro neuro nerd term to relax into that like parasympathetic state that we need to get into in order to be able to be mindful, to be attentive to the sensations. So if we take orgasm off the, 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 the to do list for the sex that we're going to have, it can often make us more able to achieve orgasm. So you could have efficient sex, just not have to get to the orgasm part. Mm. No, I like that. really hone in on the thought, stuff that you really love to do. So then it's fair that Stephanie is picking on me every time she looks at me and says, I need the big one tonight. Oh, <laughs> I had to. I had to. Oh, that's rude. That's me. <laughs> I don't get that one very often. So it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. It's a lot of work it's to get, work that, to that, get that, that really, one. really big one. Um, it really is. Uh, but luckily, I'm in it to win it. So Yeah. And it doesn't but I appreciate that you're. I appreciate that you're kind of sharing that with your audience because that uh, that is such a huge part of what I feel for with uh, with cis hetero men that they they really do feel like they have to be these like major studs every single time and have these you know huge orgasms that are so easily achieved and that's just it's an unfair expectation that's put on men. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Luckily, through owning this company and doing this podcast. And, and once again, through all our wonderful guests, I've learned a whole lot. And now I'm to a point where I'm like, well, why let's just have fun. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah. enjoy the moment. Um, you know, every now and then I get in my head and when I do, I talk to her about it and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm in my head. Like, mm-hmm. um, and she knows it. And then we talk about it and we usually get right through it and we're good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What are some of the leading causes of sexual dissatisfaction among women that you, that you feel? Hmm. Well, you know, I think it can range from, you know, a body image dissatisfaction, which, you know, uh, you know, could come from those societal pressures that that women put on themselves to look a certain way, 
whether that's, you know, overall from head to toe, but also, you know, this, this need to have, you know, your labia look a certain way mm. to have, you know, your vulva shaved and, you know, waxed within an inch of its life and, you know, no protruding parts and, you know, things looking just so, and, you know, breasts being a certain perkiness and fullness and your butt being, you know, sky high. And, you know, like that there's, if you're in your head about what your body looks like when you're contorting and, and moving and, and shifting in bed, you're not going to be in your body enough to experience mm. uh, orgasmic satisfaction or even any sort of sexual satisfaction regardless of orgasm. So that I think would be a number one element. You know, um, if I can kind of deviate a little bit, the medical community is so loath to ask questions uh, when women go to their annual, um, you know, gynecological appointment. I have only met one gynecologist through working with so many through just, you know, kind of collateral contact with clients that regularly asks questions about sexual satisfaction. So if they're going to their gynecologist who is literally up in there mm-hmm. asking, you know, looking at everything, you're looking at the mechanics, looking at everything. If they're not being asked questions about their sexual satisfaction, about their comfort during sex, do you experience pain? How is your vaginal dryness? How are, do you use lubrication? If they're not getting asked those questions by the medical community that they're trusting, how are they even supposed to recognize if there's a problem in the first place that needs to be addressed, Right. And then, and then you have the issue of all the medications that were being pushed, right? The birth control, hormonal birth control affects the, the available testosterone in the body. And that is a number one indicator of how much blood flow and um, a sexual arousal a clitoris can experience. So, you know, all these women that are on birth control from like 13, 14 oh, yeah. years old to manage acne and menstrual problems they're ending up having these sexual dysfunctions that are 100% relegated to the amount of testosterone that's in their body because of the birth control that they're on. And they're not being given this information. So I think, you know, we got to look at body image. We have to look at medical factors. And then we have to look at, you know, the role of media on, you know, women kind of being put in this one category of being slut shamed or putting in this other category, being put in this other category of being prudish and kind of unavailable for sex. And if we can make up our minds, we could kind of help women just to kind of say, Hey, how do I feel? What are, what's my thought about sex? How do I want to embody myself? Um, so I think those three factors are really huge indicators of why, or yeah, of why women are having a difficult time uh, embracing their sexuality. This is some great information, girl. And we will be right back with Kate talking about how we can close the orgasm gap between men and women right after this commercial break. I have a quick question. What is the orgasm gap and why is it important to you? Well, She Comes First is a fun and informative sexual health podcast hosted by Dr. Nick Myers, which is now available on mobile podcast players everywhere. Search for She Comes First and look for the rose. And remember, if God did not believe in sexual pleasure, the clitoris would not exist. Happy orgasms. Ladies, are you ready to take your intimacy to the next level? Head over to EvolveYourIntimacy.com to learn more about intimacy, relationships, and sex counseling. And gentlemen, do you need a little bit more? Head over to our website to learn tips on how to communicate with that special someone and ignite that flame. If you enjoy our content and guests and would like to help us grow, go to our website, EvolveYourIntimacy.com to follow, like, subscribe, and comment on all of our social media accounts. Now, let's get back to the show. We are back and this is Sexy Lifestyle Podcast. We are Stephanie and Fox from Evolve Your Intimacy, sitting in for Carol and David, talking with Kate Castilian talking about how we can close the orgasm gap, what the orgasm gap is, and what the difference is with the orgasm gap concerning men and women. Okay, I'm going to ask both of you a question, the same question, and I want to see it from two different perspectives. Do you feel that men are less inclined to take the necessary time to help women orgasm due to stamina? And Mm. if it is due to stamina, what, what can men do to help build or supplement their stamina? 
Okay, so I want to hear from Kate first. Okay. So I'm so curious what your answer is going to be, Fox, but I'm going to, I'm going to try to, to kind of come at it from a perspective of the female brain. So one of my favorite tips to give my male clients is teaching them how to edge. Because I think that if men both mentally and physically felt like they were able to control or at least gain control over their the timing and the um, the length of how much they engage in orgasm, that brain, that emotional control is so much more powerful than any physical control could ever be, right? You know, the, the brain is the most powerful sexual organ. So if you know that you have the power and the control over your orgasm to edge, even if you're able to kind of interrupt the, the, the power of your orgasm once, and then you have to let it go mm -hmm. after that, that's a pretty powerful, um, feeling to, to, to have in the bedroom when you can kind of prolong the experience of your, your sexual pleasure. And then on top of that, just the idea that it does take men, uh, that I'm sorry, it does take, uh, cis hetero women longer. And I would say, you know, even uh, cis women, regardless of their sexual orientation, the fact that it does take them longer to orgasm, it allows men the time to really play with that edging experience mm -hmm. and really lean into just having fun and, you know, not focusing on the orgasm for the entire time that you're having sex. So that I think would be my number one tip for helping men improve their stamina in the bedroom. So I, I, my life has been very, very different, I think, than most men in general. Um, I had a very open family, and I got into non-monogamy at the age of 18. Not because I had any idea what it was, but because I had a girlfriend that pretty much put it in my face and said, this is what we're going to do with my female friends. And I said, oh, no, I'm 18. That's terrible. <laughs> Um, and so I never really had a fair chance, I don't think, at uh, a monogamous type relationship. I think it really breaks down to, one, who the man is and do they care about their partner sexually, their maturity level on a sexual level, and then also what type of sexual being are they? So I've noticed that a lot of non-monogamous men pay extra attention to their body, how they perform. Um, you know, they ask a lot of questions because non-monogamy for the most part, not all, uh, is based off of sex and sexual interaction. Where I think that men that are monogamous, that are born and raised in the South or, you know, in some type of ideology where men are dominant sexually and that's the way it's going to be and it's what you want and it's, you know, they are the ones that I feel, um, you know, suffer from this this question this issue right that we're asking about because they don't pay attention to their partner they only care about themselves it's a very selfish way to be it's a very selfish standpoint and so they've never been taught to one give concern to their own sexual partner let alone know anything you know concerning their own stamina because why would they care about their stamina if you're allowed to be completely selfish I don't care if I get off in 10 minutes or two hours because it's all about me anyway. Um, <clears throat> and so the advice that I would give is, is, is two part. One, take time to invest in your partner, care about them sexually, personally, intimately, all those, all those things, all the above. Then take time in yourself, figure out your own body. How do you react? You know, um, I, I've had friends in the military that told me, you know, once they, I guess, my, I kind of had a reputation that went around because of a certain female. And I had a lot of friends come to me and say, well, well how do you hold out for that long? And I and I was, I don't, I don't really know. I just, I pay attention to my body, her movements, how she's reacting. And I care more about her and me giving her a good time. And then I care about myself second. Um, and, and that's, that's how I do it. You know, and I slow down if I'm getting too turned on. I slow myself down, um, which is edging technique. <laughs> slow it down, calm down. Um, you know, give give yourself a non-sexual thought in the moment if you are overstimulated. 
you know, maybe even stop penetration altogether and touch her with your hand or him, you know, whoever it is you decide to be sexual with. Use your mouth. Use other things. It doesn't always have to be continuous penetration. So that would be my advice. Hmm. Well, thank you for answering that. Yeah. Love that answer. It's such a, it's, you know, I kind of like that we both took various approaches or various um, entrances to the same issue that, you know, Mm -hmm. you were talking more about the, the psychological, the kind of emotional, the mental, the time element. Right. And I just want to write for the practical, right? It's such a psychologist <laughs> okay. for me, right? But I, but I love that idea of, you know, kind of really taking the time to get to know yourself, which is what we're talking. We've spent so much time talking about females, understanding what their pleasure points are, right? With being mindful of their pleasure points. And I think in this, you know, this age of, you know, the female sexual revolution, I, I don't want men to get lost in this either because i i also agree with you fox that the men you know there is so much pressure to be kind of one way in sex mm-hmm. and it it really does cut off that exploration that you know cu- that curiosity mm-hmm. of what makes me feel good what gets me there really quickly that i can avoid if i don't want to get there really quickly and what can i use to really hold myself off what can i use to really connect with my partner whoever that may be so mm, i love point. that answer well you can blame stephanie uh, so i'm also a licensed paramedic for six more days right yep six yep, more days six more days and, <laughs> and then that goes away officially <laughs> retired retired yeah because i'm not oh, doing wow. that um so my previous answer would have been very medical <laughs> so so i blame my wife so, okay, so I have a question. Of course <laughs> wait, you. wait, did I say thank you? Yeah, you did. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, oh, okay. It was recorded. I heard it. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> I see how that works. <laughs> you know, just because we did a boudoir shoot recently hey. for the magazine and you were able to be the dominant in the picture. That was so weird. Don't, con- oh, it was very weird. <laughs> All right, ask your question. <laughs> okay. So, Kate, um, can you share some methods or ideologies or techniques? that women can use to control their own orgasm, whether it's to extend it, shorten it, to achieve it. Yeah. To achieve it in general, what are some uh, methods that you have? So I think I would start kind of from the top, you know, there's, there's an amazing book um, by Lori Brado called uh, better sex through mindfulness. And she really does look at the experience of embodying your sensations from, you know, from top to bottom and, you know, recognizing those touches, the, the, the frequency of touch, the type of touch, the, the temperature of touch that really do kind of activate those pleasure centers in the brain. So I would definitely encourage women to, to explore you know, um, even if it's, you know, making you feel a little bit uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. we, we grow through discomfort, right? So if you're with a partner, first of all, that you trust, that you can explore with, that you feel comfortable exploring with, you know, try those different uh, temperatures, those different types of uh, textures, the leathers, the, the feathers, the, uh, the silks that, you know, kind of activate those little tinglies that you get even if you don't use them in the context of sex, but you use them in the context of just, you know, cuddling up with your, your loved one and, you know, you're kind of rubbing a a silk blanket or a silk sheet on your, on your skin and, and you're seeing how that makes you feel, you know, we can explore our sexual selves even out of the bedroom. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have to just focus on what sensation feels like when we're in the bedroom and we're feeling all that pressure to be, these, you know, kind of highly sexual creatures. So I would say definitely for women start there. Um, And as far as, you know, kind of exploring with your partner, what is interesting to you, um, there are these, these ethical porn production houses that really are so geared towards feminine pleasure and female experience directed by females, produced by females, um, you know, consulted on by female porn actresses and uh, actors that are really well versed in the power plays and the experience of full embodied pleasure. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if it's with if it's by yourself, if you don't feel comfortable sharing that experience with your with your partner, then you know, try it out. See what 
looks interesting to you. See what might be a different kind of touch that you've never thought of before. You know, like Stephanie, when I mentioned, you know, focusing on the legs of the clitoris that, you know, a lot of women haven't even thought of that. They just go, they think, oh, clitoris, clitoral nub. I got to go right for that. I got to push on it like a button. Like that's not, (laughs) like it's no, it's that it might not be that. I mean, I have clients that that's too sensitive for them. Mm -hmm. So they have to go to the, the lesser sensitive areas. Um, you know, there's amazing companies like WeVibe and Dame products that have a ton of different toys that act that are, you know, really geared towards different parts of the female body. Um, you know, playing in the shower, seeing what feels good as far as, um, you know, using the, the water for lubrication, different kinds of lubricant that are, you know, either have CBD in them or have a little bit of a heat to them that, you know, kind of feeling like, what is this, what feels good? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and recognizing that it's, you're not the problem. If there is a lack of information, that's the problem, right? Yeah. Women are not anorgasmic or unable to orgasm. They're pre-orgasmic. If you're having difficulty orgasm, it's orgasming. It's probably because you haven't tripped up on that information that you need Mm. to tap into whatever it is that you want in, in your experience. And then when, when you do find it, don't be afraid to share it. I mean, this is your pleasure. You have to own it. Mm. And your partner wants to know they want to be able to, to help you achieve orgasm. But at the end of the day, it's our responsibility to find what is going to feel good and then share that with our partners. I, I want to add in there as well as, you know, we said earlier that big, the big orgasm, mm. there are so many types of orgasms and, you know, everybody's, or I shouldn't say everybody. Most people are reaching for that one that just makes your body just shake and you can't walk your knees or just weak. And, and realistically, that's not going to happen every time. Realistically, yep. that's not going to happen probably 20% of the time, if even 90% mm-hmm. of the time. I can literally count on my fingers the amount of times in the last probably four years that that's happened because it's just, it's it takes a lot of work. But there's mm-hmm. so many different types of orgasms that make you feel good and enjoy those. Take time to be mindful and say, wow, you know, that felt really good. Experience the different ones. <clears throat> Oh, I'm sorry. experience the different orgasms and, and really play with how they feel. And it, it may be with a partner, it may be by yourself, but don't be stuck on that. Oh, I've got to have that big one or it's not satisfied. I'm not satisfied at all. I totally agree. Again, all that pressure, it's going to get in the way. Mm-hmm. It is not going to be fun. I know that it's when I'm about to, to hit that big one, mm-hmm. about just like right there at it. And if I think about it and I, it'll go away and I'm like, damn uh, it. Why? Right. Just keep going. <laughs> like that sneeze that doesn't come. It's yes. just like, oh, that's awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think too many people forget that in, intimacy in general doesn't have to be penetration at all. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you don't want it to even be penetration. And, and then regardless of what you're doing sex-wise, intimate-wise, right, touch-wise, taste-wise, does it really always have to end in orgasm? No. It doesn't. Sometimes things are just fun. Efficient. It, last night, we had pretty good sex last night. Neither one of us came. Unless you did and I didn't realize it. No, I don't, I, yeah. I don't think I did. Uh, it was a whole lot of fun. We had a great time. We had to take a shower afterwards. <laughs> we soaked the bed because we didn't use our top, top waterproof blanket like I we know. should have. <laughs> See? <laughs> um, but it was still a lot of healthy. I mean, it was just amazing fun. We woke up in the morning. We just kind of looked at each other, smiled, and it, you know, and, and that's all that mattered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. So, Kate, if you can please share how partners that are being intimate can enhance their sex education overall, and really build up their communication about sex, mm-hmm. because that yeah. seems, at least with us, with our clients. Not so much with our non-monogamous clients, but with our monogamous clients, sex seems to just be that oh-so-scary topic of conversation or, oh, no, we just do it. We don't talk about it ever. Right, right. And I think that denial is the number one reason why people are 
having such a difficult time leaning in to those conversations, right? Because if you acknowledge that it's, it's not happening the way we want to happen, then it's a problem, mm. but it's the denial that's the problem. Not the, like I said before, it's, it's the lack of information that you aren't taking an active role in seeking out. That's the issue. Neither one of you is the issue. It's just that you haven't sought out the information. And if you don't talk about it, you're not going to get the information. So I can't stress enough that if there is any, even if it's like a little bit of improvement that you'd like to see, then that is a discussion point to start. And don't do it in the bedroom right before you're going to have sex. That is the worst time to start having this conversation. You know, if it's, you know, on a, a random morning where you like, hopefully weekends, so you're not rushing out to go to the bat to the, to, to, sorry, not the bathroom, <laughs> go to the office. <laughs> like, yeah, don't have this conversation in the bathroom either. But if you're rushing out to go to the office, that's not the time. If it's, you know, leisurely Sunday morning over coffee and you can just kind of say, Hey, I was listening to this podcast and they were talking about, you know, the orgasm gap. And I thought about, you know, it's been a really long time since I've had an orgasm. And I'm wondering like how we can address that, you know, because this is something I really want to kind of partner with, with you. You know, I've never really tried doing this or that. Um, You know, there's a lot of, you know, really wonderful resources out there. Thanks to the time that we are in this, you know, on TikTok, Mm -hmm. obviously, Stephanie, you could probably speak to that. On Instagram, there's a ton of, uh, all you have to do is kind of put a hashtag sex educator in and you're going to come up with probably a thousand different really wonderful sex educators that are giving tips and tricks all over the place. And literally all you would have to do is share that with your partner and be like, hey, what do you think? Mm. And if there is a difficulty in engaging in this conversation, that's information too. Mm-hmm. You know, like Stephanie, when you were saying that you have clients that are just loath to masturbate in front of their partners, that's information. That's an indication that there's some serious shame and, and embarrassment around sex, which listen, that is going to be the number one thing to get in the way of having any sort of conversation and definitely get in the way of having any sort of good sex. Mm. So if there is a difficult time having conversations, you know, maybe it is time to seek out a sex therapist or a sex coach, Um, you know, listen to a podcast together or separately and then come back together to talk about it if it's too vulnerable to cut to listen to it together. There was a lot of really strong points today that we talked about. What are the takeaways that you really want to make sure our listeners walk away with? Mm. Communicate, 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 which is literally why I named my Instagram communicate. Yes, I love that. Because <laughs> it, it really is the basis of it. It's, you know, exploration. It allows you to think about what it is that you like. It allows you to talk about what it is you like. Um, and it really, it curiosity is at the basis of all good sex. And if you can't engage in it in your own experience and share that with your partner, it's really going to stop you from being able to have that amazing sex that you want, or even just that intimate sex. Trust and communication are at the, at the base of it. So if you want to close that orgasm gap, you're going to have to start talking about it. I like mm. how you said communication is lubrication. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, Kate, tell our listeners where they can find you. So you can find me at uh, communicate.com, and that's C-O-M-M-I-C-A-Y-T-E, like the way I spell my name. And you can also find me at communicate spelled the same way on Instagram. Perfect. I love that. <laughs> I was, when I was telling him about you, I was like, yeah, it's communicate. Commute, commute, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> he was like, I was like, I have no idea what's going <laughs> what on. What are you talking about? I was like, okay, okay. That was one of the times that my brain was working, but I didn't give any context. I think sometimes <laughs> she forgets I'm her spouse and I am only a relationship intimacy and sex education coach and I'm not a therapist like she is. And so she just assumes I know all these people and I'm like, honey, that's you. You're you're in your doctor's program. You're <laughs> meeting all these people. I don't know who any of these people are, but I love talking to them because I, I get educated every single time we do this show and it's great. <clears throat> All right, friends, tune in again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle, talking about sex, sexuality, sexual health, and, of course, pleasure. Oh, and all the fun ways that you can spice up your sex life.
Well, that's it for our show today. On behalf of Carol and David, we are Stephanie and Fox from Evolve Your Intimacy, sending you lots of love and great sex. Please stay safe. And of course, stay sexy, everyone. Until next time. Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Sexy Lifestyle. We've got another one lined up next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever.